Gardening is not my best skill. I'm not particularly good with house plants either. As I've mentioned in a couple of places now, I keep succulents, which are easy to care for and don't suffer over much from my slightly erratic watering schedule. I suppose the reason is that I don't have a lot of knowledge or experience, and the poor plants suffer the consequences. On the other hand, some people just have that a special gift for dealing with green growing things. My nan could take a sick African violet and have it sprouting healthy velvety blossoms in no time. She just had that knack. In spite of my lack of horticultural skill, or perhaps because of it, I've always had a fondness for those agricultural parables which Jesus tells. There are quite a lot of them. Parables and analogies and instances when Jesus and his followers encounter the plants, trees, and shrubs which were so common in their homeland. And once again, as we have often seen in the Gospels, the familiar is used to describe the unfamiliar. This was an agrarian society, and Jesus' listeners would have been intimately acquainted with the nature of growing things, even if they themselves were fishermen, stonemasons, shepherds, or dozens of other occupations which worked side by side with farmers in first century Palestine. And so, Jesus often uses agricultural parables to illustrate abstract concepts, like the growth of sin, the cultivation of faith, or the nature of the kingdom of heaven. In today's gospel passage, we have two such parables, which are traditionally referred to as the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. Both parables are dependent on basic knowledge of the life cycle of plants, the way they grow, and the result of their cultivation. The growing seed is, of course, wheat, that dietary staple of so many civilizations, which requires specific conditions of weather and soil in which to thrive, and a knowledge of the right time to harvest it. The mustard seed is most likely the species known as black mustard, the resulting shrub being a plant which might reach as much as nine feet in height. And it might seem odd to pair up the wheat and the mustard seed. One is a fundamental part of the diet of the living, of, of the living people in these regions, and the other might produce seeds which can be used to flavor food, but, as Jesus says, the branches also provide shade for the birds of the air. But I think part of the point is that these two plants, however different, are both flourishing, each according to their nature, growing into that which they are meant to be, serving their purpose in the world. Now, as it happens, these are not the only agricultural parables in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark. Directly before these stories about the wheat and the mustard seed is the parable of the sower. 
in which seed is sown on different kinds of ground and only the seed sown in good soil will bear good fruit. And in Matthew's and Luke's Gospels, directly after the parable of the mustard seed, is what's known as the parable of the leaven, in which a woman adds dough containing yeast to her supply of flour so that the entire supply of flour is leavened. Look, I know, I know yeast is actually classified as a fungus and not a plant. I am much better at baking than I am at gardening. But the principle of these agricultural parables is the same. Out of something small can come something great if it is properly planted, cultivated, harvested. The parable of the sower is a popular inspiration for works of art from everybody uh, like Bruegel, Millet, Van Gogh, but the parable of the mustard seed is popular in Bible stories and lessons for children, perhaps because it's felt that children will benefit from the lesson that something small can grow to be something important. But as in all so-called children's stories, I think there's always something for us grown-ups, too. We have a tendency to espouse the heroic, the completed missions, the decisive victories. We are made uneasy by the idea that not everything has to be big or loud or significant. We often think that unless something makes an immediate, extensive impact, then it is not worth doing. And so, we have allowed the perfect to become the enemy of the good. What about the mustard seed? The subtle kindnesses, the gentle nudges, the small triumphs what I once saw someone describe as the miserable inches carved out by countless, countless individuals throughout human history that slowly, slowly, too slowly sometimes make this world a better place. Tiny seeds planted and grown into something capable of sheltering others. I am reminded of Thérèse Martin, born in Alençon, France in 1873. She is best known to us now as Saint Thérèse of Lisieux, who received special dispensation to enter a Carmelite convent at the age of 16, and who died there nine years later of tuberculosis. Many people of all denominations have been inspired by Thérèse's life her determination to follow her calling to the religious life, her self-deprecating humor about her own faults, her deep honesty about her doubts and her fears, and also her conviction that even she, who she believed would never be famous or influential, had something to offer. 
trusting that her assignments at the convent, from serving in the sacristy to her much disliked tasks in the laundry room, were the way for her to show her love for God and for her fellow nuns, she wrote of something which has come to be known as the little way, which in the words of a fellow Carmelite seems to put holiness of life within the reach of ordinary people. Therese of Lisieux could have no way of knowing the influence that she would have after her death, the respect and admiration she would earn from both the powerful and the humble. And when she was canonized in 1925, she, who understood how the great could come from the little, was made patron saint of florists and gardeners. To the right and to the left, she wrote, I throw to my little birds the good grain that God places in my hands, and then I let things take their course. I busy myself with it no more. Sometimes it's just as though I'd thrown nothing. At other times, it does some good. But God tells me, give. Give always, without being concerned with the results. Of course, some of us in our lives will enact sudden, enormous, positive change. But for the rest of us, we must not let that stop us from our own acts of justice and compassion and love. Like the wheat, like the mustard seed, each growing according to its nature and serving its purpose, all of these things have their place in the kingdom of heaven. Amen.